Did you know that we are living in the end times and that the Holy Spirit is calling us to do three specific things as we prepare for the soon return of Jesus? These things are related to our spiritual gifts. Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Do you know the difference in a natural talent and a supernatural gift? Do you know that you are going to one day stand before Jesus and be judged as to how you used your spiritual gifts to advance His kingdom here on earth? For more information about how to identify your spiritual gifts and use them for the Lord, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Two weeks ago, we began presenting a series of three programs devoted to one of the most powerful end-time messages contained in the Bible. It is the message of Psalm 2. I like to call the message, The King is Coming. We began by focusing on the first three verses, which make it clear that God and Satan are still engaged in a cosmic battle for sovereignty over this earth. God originally gave that sovereignty to Adam and Eve, but Satan stole it when they sinned. At the cross, Jesus won the right to reclaim it for us, but He will not do so until He returns to reign during the millennium. Meanwhile, The struggle continues to manifest itself in many ways in our world today, most notably in Satan's determination to destroy the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. Now, last week, we learned from verses 4 through 9 that although wickedness seems to be growing on the earth, God is in control, for He has the wisdom and the power to orchestrate all the evil of mankind to the triumph of His Son. In fact, Psalm 2 says that God sits in heaven and laughs at the world leaders who try to flaunt His will. Why is He laughing? Because He has appointed a day when He will pour out His wrath on those who are rebelling against Him, and He has promised that one day soon He will send His Son to bring peace, righteousness, and justice to all the earth. In this program, we're going to take a look at the ending of the psalm, specifically verses 10 through 12. In this segment, the Holy Spirit presents a warning that we should be doing three things as we wait for the return of Jesus. Let's take a look for a moment at the warning that the Holy Spirit issues. Let's go to verse 10. Now therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, lest He become angry and you perish in the way, for His wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all those who take refuge in Him. Now, the first thing that I need to point out here is that, yes, this is addressed to kings and judges, no doubt, to those who are in ruling authority, but it's also addressed to believers. It's addressed to you and me. I want to emphasize that because... When the Lord Jesus Christ returns, we will be the kings, we will be the rulers, we will be the judges. Every person in a position of authority on planet earth will be a person in a glorified body. That's why the earth's going to be flooded with peace, righteousness, and justice. Reigning authority. 2 Timothy 2, verse 12. If we endure, we will reign with Him. Judging authority. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? 
We are going to reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are going to judge the world. We are going to be the ones who are going to reign with him over this earth. He is going to reign from Jerusalem as King of kings and Lord of lords. David in his glorified body is going to reign as the King of Israel. We and our glorified bodies are going to be scattered over this earth to reign over those who are in the flesh. Every person in a position of reigning authority will be a person in a glorified body. Most of us, perhaps, or some of us anyway, are going to be administrators. Every person who's an administrator on planet earth, whether it's a local council, a state council, a national council, whether it's a king, a prime minister, a mayor, a governor, is going to be a person in a glorified body. Jesus said there's going to be degrees of reward. He said there's going to be degrees of reward based upon your service in the kingdom now, how you use your gifts to advance the kingdom. He said, some of you I will put over one city, some I'll put over five cities, some I'll put over ten cities. So some of us will be administrators. Some of us will be judges. I believe that every judge on planet earth will be a person of glorified body. That's the reason the earth is going to be flooded with peace, righteousness, and justice is because under this theocratic reign of Jesus Christ, when a person violates the law, a person in the flesh violates the law, they will be arrested immediately. They will be taken before a judge. There will be an immediate trial. There will be an immediate judgment and there will be no appeal whatsoever because that judge with a glorified body and the mind of Christ will make a perfect decision for which there will be no appeal. Justice will be swift. Justice will be certain. And that's the reason that those in the flesh who reject Jesus Christ during this time will nonetheless obey the law. They will say, we love you, Jesus, while they're grinding their teeth. And at the end of that time, when Satan is let loose, what's going to happen? He's going to say to those in the flesh, come on, let's get the joker in Jerusalem. And after 1,000 years of perfect peace, righteousness, and justice, the vast majority of those in the flesh will rebel against Jesus Christ. And God will prove once and for all, you cannot change anyone by putting them in a perfect environment. The only way you can change people is through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. He starts out history proving that in the Garden of Eden. He ends up history putting everybody in that Garden of Eden and proving it once again when the Great Rebellion occurs. Thirdly, the vast majority of us are going to be teachers. I believe every person on planet Earth, as Jeremiah says, we're going to be the shepherds of the earth. We'll be in glorified bodies teaching those who are in, uh, in fleshly bodies, trying to bring them to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you something there will not be. Praise God there will not be. There will not be any legislators during the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. There will be no abomination, no abomination known as the Texas legislature, no abomination known as the United States Congress, no abomination known as the United Nations, because there will be no legislature. Jesus will give the law, and the law will be obeyed. There'll be no political parties, no pressure groups, no bribes. Oh boy, what a glorious day that's going to be, what we've dreamed about forever and ever. Well, Psalm 2 tells us something else. It tells us three things that we're to do as we wait for the coming of the Lord. And I want to end with this. The three things that we are to do as we wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, worship the Lord with reverence. Now, I tell you, I hope you make a note of these because I want to do all these things and I know you do too. So, this is number one. But you know what it says in the Hebrew? It doesn't say that. In the Hebrew it says, serve the Lord with reverence. But I like this translation. You know why I like it? Because normally when we think of worship, we think of only one thing. Going to a place and, 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 and singing with people and worshiping the Lord in that way. But the greatest worship is not that. The greatest worship is what happens when you leave the congregation, go out into the world, and how you serve the Lord, and how you radiate the love of Jesus Christ in your life. So I like, serve the Lord with reverence, but I love worship the Lord with reverence because true worship is serving the Lord Jesus Christ in the world. 
That's the number one thing we're to do. We are to serve the Lord Jesus Christ as we wait for the coming of the Lord. And let me tell you something, you will never be able to do it, never ever, until you know what your spiritual gifts are. And you work in those spiritual gifts. I had to learn that the hard way. I grew up in a church that didn't even believe in spiritual gifts. So when I started into ministry, I didn't know what a spiritual gift was. I was trying to operate outside my gifts and I was a miserable failure. Until I discovered what my gifts were, I never did do anything for the Lord. You have to work in your gifts. I urge you to find out what your spiritual gifts are and begin to use those to serve the Lord. Because that's what it means here when we are to worship the Lord with reverence. There's a second thing that we're to do. We are to rejoice with trembling. We're to rejoice with trembling. Now that's a strange statement. That is very strange. I think of rejoicing by clapping my hands. Rejoicing by singing. Rejoicing by dancing. Like Jack Hollinsworth, Jumping Jack does. That's what I I think of when I think of, of, of rejoicing. But to rejoice with trembling? What in the world does that mean? I, I tell you, I, I prayed about that. I want, I want to know what these things mean. And I just wanted the Lord to reveal to me what it meant. And one day I, I was thinking about it, and, and, and I, I thought about this. I thought about the fact that we are to rejoice over His glorious return. We're to rejoice over the fact that He is going to have victory. We are to rejoice over the fact that one day He's going to receive all the glory that He was denied the first time He came. But at the same time, we're rejoicing about His coming, and about the glorified bodies we're going to receive, we had better tremble. Because when He comes, there's going to be judgment for every one of us. Now, there's good news and bad news. Good news and bad news. The good news is so good that I find many Christians find it hard to believe. The good news is this. There will be no judgment for sin for those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Look what it says in Hebrews 9.28. Christ shall appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await Him. Why? Because when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're born again, He not only forgives your sin, He forgets your sin in the sense that He will never hold it against you again as long as you live. It's gone. It's as far away from Him as east is from west. The Bible says He puts it in the deepest part of the ocean. Corey Ten Boone used to say, yes, he does that. And he puts a sign there that says, no fishing. No fishing. Just leave it alone. Believe God has forgiven you and accept that forgiveness. He is going to judge us, but he's not going to judge us for sin. Praise God. But there's going to be a judgment. And this is why we better tremble. There's going to be a judgment of works. Not to determine our eternal salvation, no. But to determine our degrees of reward. 2 Corinthians 5.10 We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body. There's going to be degrees of punishment. There's going to be degrees of reward. And those degrees of reward, I believe, are going to be based upon a judgment of our, how we used our gifts to serve the Lord. I think each one of us is going to stand before the Lord and be judged of how we used our gifts to serve the Lord. And based upon that, he's going to hand out rewards or not hand out rewards. He's going to say, on the day you were born again, I gave to you the gift of mercy. How did you use it, use it to advance my kingdom? On the day you were born again, I gave you the gift of, of teaching. How did you use that to advance my kingdom? And I'm talking about supernatural gifts here. I'm not talking about natural talents. Sometimes when God gifts us, and every person receives at least one gift, you may receive more than one, you may receive some others as you go along if you're good stewards of your gifts. But when God, He doesn't always gift you where your talents are. Sometimes He does. Sometimes a person who is talented in singing will be gifted in singing, as Jack has been. But sometimes that that won't be the case. Sometimes a person will be gifted who isn't the best singer in the world. You can tell the difference. 
A person who's talented gets up and sings the Lord's Prayer, and when they finish, they get a standing ovation. The person who is gifted in the Holy Spirit may sing it very imperfectly, may miss some notes, and when they finish, there's no applause because everybody's on the face, on the floor, weeping before the Lord because the Lord, through His Holy Spirit, has touched their hearts. Sometimes people will, will be talented as teachers, but God will not gift them to teach the Word of God. Other times He may do that. We're talking here about supernatural gifts, and what I'm saying to you is, do you know your gifts so that you can use those to advance the kingdom? I urge you, find out what your gifts are and begin to use them to advance the kingdom. How can you find out? Well, let me give you some guidelines. Number one, pray for the Lord to reveal your gifts to you. Just, just pray. God, I, I want to know what my gifts are. Reveal them to me. He'll do it in his own way. A second way is to study the Scriptures regarding gifts. Just, just do a study of, of all the Scriptures in the New Testament that have to do with the gifts of the Spirit and, and, and ask the Lord again to bless you as you study those Scriptures. Number three, take a spiritual gifts inventory test. You find those all over the Internet. Just go to Google. Type in spiritual inventory test. They're all over the place. And you can take them. Some are interactive. You take them right there and it gives you your scores right there. When you finish the test, sometimes you have to print them off and do them. But let me tell you, I have found these to be very, very accurate. Very accurate. Very helpful in identifying what your spiritual gifts are. Another thing you can do is you can ask your Christian friends and your pastor to help you identify your gifts. I remember one time I was teaching on spiritual gifts, and we got to the last session. I said, now next week, I want everybody to identify what you think your spiritual gifts are. And we, next week, we went around the circle, and everybody identified, except this one guy. We got to him, and he said, well, I just tell you, I thought about it all week. I prayed about it. And I just think God skipped me. <laughs> and everybody there died laughing because every person there knew his gift. One of the ladies said, John, every time we have a church weekend where we're going to work on the building on Saturday, and they tell everybody to get there at 9, and we all get there at 9, who's been there since 6 a.m.? He said, me. And said, when we go home at 3, who's still there at 5? Said me. And he said, when we get divide up the judge, who jobs, who always uh, volunteers for the worst jobs, cleaning the bathrooms and things like that? He said, me. They said, you have the supernatural gift of helps. No church can exist without it. No ministry can exist without it. It's essential to the kingdom of God. And he got so happy when he found out that he had a supernatural gift of God and realized it really was a gift of God. And he began to work in that gift even more so than he had before that. Another thing you can do is to read a very balanced book about gifts. And that's hard to find because there are a lot of very unbalanced books out there. And the one that I would suggest to you among all others is this one by Leslie B. Flynn entitled 19 Gifts of the Spirit. So one that's available through our ministry. I read it years ago. It's in the umpteenth edition. It's just, it's just so balanced and it's so wonderful in helping you to identify your spiritual gifts. Leslie Flynn is a, is a Baptist pastor. This is a very balanced book, and it will really help you to identify what your gifts are. Okay, that brings us back to Psalm 2 and the third thing we're to do. The third thing we're to do, we're to do homage to the Son. Now, I don't like this translation because that's not what it says. If you've got the King James, I think it says uh, it has the actual literal uh, translation from the Hebrew. It says in the Hebrew, kiss the Son. The third thing that we are to do is we are to kiss the Son. Now, folks, I, I tell you, I, for years I scratched my head on that one. What in the world does it mean to kiss the sun? I mean, that's a strange statement. 
And I prayed. I said, Lord, I want to know what this means. I want to do these things. I want to teach others what to do. What does it mean to kiss the sun? And one day he led me to the book of Hosea. I read that glorious book. And Hosea was called by God to go out and preach against idolatry in the land. He preached his heart out against idolatry. And he was, he was stoned. He was mocked. He was uh, ridiculed. He was spit upon. But he preached. And it says right near the end of the book that when he came back home, totally exhausted from preaching his heart out against idolatry, he got ready to go into his house. And he looked next door. And on the front porch next door, there was a man bowing down to a golden calf. And he was kissing the calf. And Hosea cries out, oh, my God, men kiss calves. And suddenly it clicked. Men kiss calves. Holy Spirit says, kiss the sun. You see, if Hosea were here today and he went across this land, I think he would get up here and he'd say, I've been everywhere in America and everywhere I go, I see men kissing CDs in the bank. I see men kissing fame. I see men kissing power. I see men kissing influence. I see men kissing all the things of the world. I say to you, take those, put them in one garbage pile and kiss the sun. Fall in love with Jesus Christ. Put him first and foremost in your life above everything else. Fall in love with Jesus. That's what kiss the sun, I think truly means. And let me tell you something. When you do that, when you truly kiss the sun, you will understand that final statement, how blessed are those who take refuge in Him. What is the message of Psalm 2? The message of Psalm 2 is that God is on the throne. God is in control. He has the wisdom and the power to orchestrate all the evil of mankind to the triumph of His Son. And the greatest illustration of that is the cross itself. Think how Satan must have thought he had the greatest victory in the history of mankind. Think about how he and the demons must have danced around that cross as they murdered the Son of God. And he thought he had his greatest victory until the resurrection occurred. And through the power of the resurrection, God took the most dastardly act in the history of mankind and transformed it into the most glorious event that has ever occurred on the face of this earth. When I think of that, when I think of it, when I think of the fact that God is in control, that God sits in the heavens and laughs, that God orchestrates the evil of mankind, the triumph of His Son, when I think about the peace, righteousness, and justice that is coming, all I can do is cry out from the depths of my heart, Maranatha, 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 come quickly, Lord Jesus. And my question for you this evening is, and for those of you who are viewing, my question is, are you ready? Are you ready if the Lord were to come today? In John 3.36, it's amazing. Everybody knows John 3.16. Almost nobody knows John 3.36. This is from a sermon by John the Baptist. He says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. That means, friends, listen to me carefully here, it means that every person in this room and every person on planet Earth is under either the grace of God or the wrath of God. It is a terrible thing to be under the wrath of God. It is a glorious thing to be under the grace of God. If you're under the grace of God, when Jesus appears, you will go forth like a calf released from a stall. Some of you will dance in the Spirit and never move your feet before. Some of you will have your hands in the air waving them. Because you're going to be like a calf released. You know what a calf released from a stall is like? They hate stalls. You release them, they run out in the pasture, they roll over, they kick their feet in the air. They're happy. But if you're under the wrath of God, it says the presidents, the prime ministers, the kings of this world, all those who are under the wrath of God will crawl into holes in the ground and cry out for the rocks and mountains to fall upon them. So great will be the wrath of Almighty God. I want to close with an illustration. My wife and I have a devotional every morning, have for years. 
We pray together and we always read a devotional together. About five years ago, I read a devotional that so profoundly impacted me that I bowed my head and I said, Lord, I'm going to, have, I'm going to share this with as many people as I can until the day I die or you come first. I'm going to share it and share it and share it because it's one of the greatest illustrations I've ever run across about the meaning of the cross and what happened there. Back in the 1850s, when the gold rush occurred, thousands of wagon trains went across this country to California. And there were many things that the wagon masters feared. They feared getting to water holes that were dried up or polluted. They feared Indian attacks. They feared such things as plagues, which often wiped out an entire wagon train. Probably the thing they feared the most were blizzards, which also wiped out entire wagon trains. But certainly one of the most fearsome things that they could encounter was this, the prairie fire. They would look on the horizon and see smoke. Maybe there had been a lightning strike. And the wagon master, who knew nature well, knew that there were only minutes to save the wagon train. Because those, those fires often traveled at a speed of 50 to 60 miles an hour. You would be in Kansas, the grass would be this high, just as dry as it could be, and you could see the fire coming. You knew you only had minutes. And the interesting thing is that although wagon trains often encountered prairie fires, there is no record of any wagon train ever being lost to one because there was a certain way of avoiding it. Here's what would happen. If the fire was coming from this direction, then the wagon master would go around to this side and he would light the grass and let it burn away. And when it burned away sufficiently, it'd take the wagons and he would circle them inside the burned out area and they would take the fabric off the top of the wagons and wait for the fire to come. And when the fire came, it would just burn around them and keep on going. Now, I submit to you, that is one of the greatest illustrations you can find of what happened on the cross. When Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross, every sin that you have ever committed and every sin you will ever commit was placed upon him. And the wrath of God, which we deserve, was poured out upon Jesus Christ. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you step into the area where the fire has already fallen and you become immune to the wrath of God. What a glorious Savior! What a glorious Savior! And anyone who understands it must live every day with the shout of Maranatha, Maranatha, Maranatha in their hearts. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Thank you and God bless you. And now I'd like to present you with a very special treat from our featured singer, Jack Hollinsworth. Here is Jack singing about the fact that the signs of the times indicate that we are living on borrowed time. The title of the song is 1159. Time is winding down, just look around us Evil's breaking loose on every side 
The devil knows his time is almost over. Soon the clock will stop and Jesus Christ will split the sky. Shout it from the rooftops, proclaim it in the street. Tell your friends and neighbors, tell everyone you meet. We all need a Savior, but we're running out of time. He's coming back at midnight. It's 11.59. God's prepared a place for all his children. Free from fears and doubt, tears and pain. We must choose our destination. You know there's just one way to heaven. Jesus is his name. Shout it from the rooftops. Proclaim it in the streets. Tell your friends and neighbors. Tell everyone you meet. We all need a savior. But we're running out of time Yes, he's coming back at midnight It's 11.59 Then at the right hand of the Father He'll soon stand to his feet And here's son, go get the children and bring them home to me. So let's shout it from the rooftops, proclaim it in the street. Tell your friends and neighbors, tell everyone you meet that we all need a Savior. But we're running out of time Yes, he's coming back at midnight It's 11.59 Church, Jesus is coming back Time as we know it is almost over He's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle one who's ready to go. It's almost midnight. It's 11.59. Thank you, Jack, for that fantastic song. Folks, if you're being blessed by this week's message, we would like to send you a copy of it. It's available on a 50-minute DVD album showing me presenting the message before a live audience. You can obtain a copy for a donation of $15 or more by calling the number you see on the screen. As an added bonus, we will also send you a copy of our magazine that contains the entire message in print. Speaking of our magazine, it is published every other month and it is free of charge. 
All you have to do is request it. You can do so by going to our website at lamblion.com and clicking on the icon in the upper right-hand corner of the home page, the one that says Magazine Sign-Up. Again, that website address is lamblion.com, and the telephone number is the one you see on the screen. Thanks for being with us this week, and please join us again next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 